Coming up on episode 12 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, Summer Shine's redemption story. When I was at my lowest, I I was hoping to die. I would wake up mad. I would wake up and think, oh my God, like I did everything I could yesterday to not survive the night. Like why am I still catching breath? You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Thanks for joining us. I'm Randy Lane. Today on the podcast, we're talking with Summer Shine. She's the owner of Luna Juice Bar. Summer Shine is not your typical business owner. Before starting a successful business at the Magnolia Market here in Waco, Texas, she was a drug addict. She'd been in and out of rehab several times. Now she helps people that came from the same place she came from. She primarily hires people that are battling addiction and people that are coming out of the commercial sex industry. And now our conversation with Summer Shine. Okay, well, Summer, thank you so much for agreeing to come and be in this interview with us today. And sounds like you have a really interesting background. So why don't we start? Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for having me here. You bet. Um, I am the owner and operator of Luna Juice Bar. We have a food truck out at Magnolia Silos. We make fresh, cold-pressed juices and whole food smoothies. We're about to add a line of salads. Um, we do delivery in the Waco and Temple areas, and we have a fancy little smoothie bar in Temple at uh, T3, one of the gyms in Temple. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Wonderful. Well, Let's go back a couple of years and okay. tell us, you know, kind of your history and, and yeah. how you ended up where you are right now. Awesome. Well, I have been in the restaurant industry since I was 15 years old. I got a job waiting table, well, bussing tables originally for a couple <laughs> of weeks. And then I waited tables well into my 20s and managed restaurants in Austin. Eventually, somewhere down the road, that leads to there's a lot of drug use and drinking that's involved in in restaurant industry. That's mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't know. But you ever wonder why your waiter is so perky? Uh, <laughs> that might be why. So I got caught up in a lot of that. And I have a very addictive personality, come to find out. Eventually, somewhere down the line, I, you know, landed myself in in treatment, several treatments, um, to be real honest with you. Uh, one of them brought me to Waco. I went to the Freeman Mm. center in 2007 and that was interesting. Then I ended up being on their board of directors. It was really (laughs) kind of cool because that's the kind of person I am. But, uh, a few years ago, uh, actually this, we're, we're coming up on three years ago. I had a relapse after about five years of um, being sober. I had a really bad relapse and, uh, ended up in New Orleans. That's a fun place to go if you're drinking and using. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, ended up there and uh, met up with this. I had been volunteering for a long time with an organization here in Waco called Jesus Said Love. They minister to women in the commercial sex industry, strippers and prostitutes, basically. And I had been volunteering with them for a really long time. And when I ended up in New Orleans, they called me up and said, hey, this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. Why don't you come back to Texas? They brought me back, helped me get into a treatment facility in Victoria, Texas. Through that treatment facility, one part of their program is if you'd like to start your own business, 
then they help you. They help you write a business plan, teach you how to do it, and they'll give you a small business loan if they believe what you're doing is going to be you know, a good idea and a good fit. Sure. So um, I went to that program. I was super motivated. Um, I'm, you, you know, I'm either, I'm either uh, smoking crack or making smoothies. So uh, <laughs> we, <Okay. laughs> we, uh, I jumped on the smoothie bandwagon. I mean, uh, that's just how I am. I'm, I'm real black or white. I'm either polar one way doing really, really bad or I'm doing really, really great. Tearing things down or building things up and I love uh, the health aspect of things. I I got into really healthy eating uh, when I was pregnant with my son, who's 18 now. Can you believe I'm only wow. having No, I couldn't. Done. I can't believe that. Look, a look day like over all. 25. <laughs> That's all the smoothies and juices, folks. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I was. I've always been into that. I had a lot of information about it from being in the food industry and. Uh, I wrote a business plan and I presented it to them and they gave me a small business loan and it just, it hit, you know, juice bars are a big deal right now. And Waco didn't have another one at the time. And so I, I quickly expanded and about a year into it, I realized that um, we had something going on here and I wanted to do more. And I knew that Chip and Joanna were opening a food truck park and they actually invited me to, they said, if you can get a food truck together by this date, we want you over there. And so I did. I got a food truck. I went back to that organization and asked them to become investors. Jesus Said Love became investors. And then a couple of other people. There were some people around in the community that uh, really came behind me and invested in Luna Juice Bar. We got a food truck. We and you know expanded our kitchen which was really cool so i hired people there was a girl that my sweet little my favorite employee she she knows she's my favorite everybody does uh but she was volunteering because she believed so greatly in what we were doing and so i got to give her a paycheck that was awesome it was really cool. i i got a paycheck hey. it's not very big it's not very big don't, don't be fooled i don't get a big paycheck but that's where we're at today and then you know as of now we hire people who are in recovery we hire people who are women who are trying to transition out of being being in the commercial sex industry into you know just regular everyday life and sure well i can imagine i i know how difficult it is working you know hiring employees working with employees keeping them motivated keeping them on track and showing up and everything else and and this is hiring employees without some of the uh, the problems that your employees have. Right, right. So <laughs> what kind of challenges do you run into with hiring people that are trying to transition out of, you know, a way of life that they know is not good for them sure. into uh, what could be perceived as the Monday through Friday yeah. typical work? <laughs> well, we make everybody wear suits and ties. I'm just yeah. kidding. Uh, I, I guess some of our, you know, we deal with people who relapse, you know, people mm -hmm. come in and they get a paycheck on Friday and they might get drunk over the weekend. And mm. so that's some of the challenges that we deal with. We tell them, you know, uh, you need to sleep this one off and be back tomorrow. And we give them a couple of chances before we fire them, which I really haven't had to fire anybody. Not for that reason. I've actually had to fire people for other reasons that were not addicts, you know, or alcoholics. So anyway, all of our addicts and alcoholics have done just fine, you know, after they sleep it off or whatever. Uh, <laughs> schedules are always a little tricky when you go from 
being in an environment where you can come in whenever you feel like coming in and work whatever time you feel like working and maybe, you know, pay the manager off to leave a little early. Uh, so those are some of the challenges we've dealt with. We usually find that when people have come to the end of themselves and are trying to transition into what is considered normal life, you know, the nine to five, they are usually really motivated to do the right thing and to show up and work hard. So their work ethic is there. Um, it's just trying to figure out the tricky things like scheduling and not wearing flip-flops to the kitchen. And <laughs> <laughs> what what so, what length shorts are appropriate? We deal, we've dealt with that a whole lot, you know? So how much makeup is appropriate for a juice bar out at the silos? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, obviously helping people because it sounds like your yeah. your job is also uh you know as much a, a mission field as it is absolutely you know, actually trying to make a living at it yeah for sure have you you know struggled with pouring your heart into people trying to get oh, them yeah. you know you see more in them than maybe they see in themselves and that that struggle of saying you have so much potential but yet you continue to make poor decisions you know how is as a leader do you how do you deal with that? Or have you been able to deal with it? Oh, yeah, we, we deal with that almost on a daily basis. That real that self-esteem struggle of not thinking that they can, they can actually do it, that they can transition. We see a lot of people say, well, it was just so much easier. This that other lifestyle was just easier when it's not the lifestyle wasn't easier. It's just harder to maybe follow rules and, you know, get a schedule. And so we have to reassure them and remind them you're worth more than what you were doing and you you can be more and it the funny thing is is that a lot of these women and a lot of the addicts and alcoholics we deal with are super intelligent people very very intelligent just can't follow direction you know mm -hmm. and uh, because they've got an idea in their head of what they think it should look like and so redirection is a lot of what i do and sitting with people and saying you know this redirection is not personal. This is about your performance, not your personality. And I love who you are. And I spend a lot of time encouraging people. We actually had a gal that was working for us over the weekend, had a really bad relapse, and we sent her to rehab this morning. You know, we were mm. able to make connections for her and get her into a treatment facility. And uh, she hopped in a car with another volunteer this morning and is on her way to Dallas right now, you know, and, um, and she's gonna be gone for a while. And we're and and we'll hold her job. I mean, we, we won't, hold, you know, we're gonna replace her right now. But when she comes back, and, and she'll have a position with us. And that's something that we, we always find a place for someone who really does want to change. Yeah. Um, and and it, and it is a struggle, you know, it's telling somebody that I value you for what you do, not what you can give me is is a real it's been a real tricky situation you know trying to figure out how to get how to motivate people who, you know because money is not the motivator at G, at luna juice bar <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. We, pay, we don't pay minimum wage we play close to minimum wage so <laughs> yeah. um it really is just changing their lives so yeah have you had any um, success stories, people that you've really mentored and they've gone on to become really great? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we had well, my kitchen manager uh, right now. He uh, was someone who was in recovery and he came to us. And I mean, I'm telling I'm five minutes sober. 
he came to us five minutes over, skin still gray, bloated. I mean, he'd been drinking for years, and uh, he just really wanted a chance to change. And he's worked his way up to being a manager for us. And then we had a girl who came out of the uh, commercial sex industry straight into working for us and then got into college. Uh, so she started college last semester and actually graduated, not graduated, but finished the semester with a 4.0. Great. You know, I mean, those are really cool stories. And then just the people who come and just show up, like, that is always a miracle, too. Yeah. Are there common denominators in the people that get into either the sex industry or drugs or alcohol? Or have you seen any common denominators of how they get in to that lifestyle and how they try and transition out? Or is everything is just so random and all over the place? Well, every person is different, but we do see a lot of, you know, childhood sexual trauma with the girls that have cut, that are going through clubs. Matter of fact, I don't think we've ever met a girl that doesn't have some childhood sexual trauma, which Mm. is really sad. And yeah, it's just super sad. And then with addiction, it, it really is a brain chemistry thing. It's really a thing. And people's brains, they have this thing that tells them they have to have more and that they um, can't stop. And yeah, we see that the transition never looks the same. There are those common denominators of why people, you know, get hooked on drugs or why they're in the commercial sex industry, but there, it, the transitions never, I wish there was, I wish it all looked exactly alike and that we had this neat little handbook that said you need to be hard on this one or you need to be easy on this one. That's a, a real struggle for me sometimes is that I can see the truth and they can't see the truth. And I want to say, this is the truth. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that respond. I respond really well to that. If you tell me this is the truth and this is where you're messing up and here are the actions you can take to do it, I am good at following direction. And some some people are. And then there are other people where you just kind of have to say, I love you and I care about you. And and here's the easy way for me to tell you, you know, the truth. I want to hear the hard, cold truth, you know, Uh, but not everybody does. So, Mm -hmm. and it's really weird to figure out who does. It's, it's, it's tricky. That's the tricky part of it is trying to learn people's personalities before you guide them. Oh yeah. Well, leadership development's the exact same thing. You know, I've been told before many times and I, and I believe it. And that is leadership is about a relationship. It's not about looking at someone as a tool to get a job done. Right. And so if you look at each individual person that works with you and for you, and you look at the relationship first, and then through that relationship, what are the goals that we're trying to accomplish? Yes. Then leading people becomes easier. Right. When you look at, okay, my job as a leader is to produce results. How do I get my people to do what I need them to do to get the result? And you you don't focus on the relationship, you constantly have this struggle of, of how do you get people motivated to, to all row in the same direction. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. We uh, The best part of my job is the people that work for me, and the hardest part of my job is oh, the yeah. people that work for me, and oh, trying yeah. to figure out where those relationships lie. And yeah, it's interesting. Uh, learning more about humanity than I've ever had to learn before. And I thought waiting tables did that for me. You know, you really have to get to know your tables and whether or not they want to be bossed around a little and told what to order or whether or not they need to know all the ingredients, you know, whatever. You have to really learn quickly how to become friendly with the table. And I thought, you know, that was going to translate perfectly into this. And I'm learning a whole new depth of 
uh, people and their personalities and who they are. So, you know, for someone who, like myself, who hasn't hired a lot of people that have a, a background that's a little different than most, I would think immediately right out of the gate, I can't trust these people. You know, how can I employ people, give them keys to my office, give them access to the server, all these different things? How do I trust them? Well, the great thing is, is that I am one of these people. Uh, I have been an addict and alcoholic myself, and I know the difference between who you can trust and who you can't trust. What the, There's a common misconception that um, addicts and alcoholics are criminals because drugs and overuse of alcohol is a criminal act. Um, however, it is not criminal. Um, it is, you know, addiction is a disease and it is... But it, isn't, isn't doing meth a criminal act? It, correct. And that's where I'm going. That is a criminal act, but it's not from a criminal brain. So a cri most criminals, like real true criminals, people that will rob your house, people that will steal your car, they're not on drugs. They, as a matter of fact, have much keen, much more keen minds than someone who's messed up on drugs. Mm. So drug addicts will steal or break the law to, for a, a means to an end. But most of the time, they don't. They aren't born with criminal minds. There's a difference between an addict mind, addict alcoholic mind, and a criminal mind. And criminals are scary. You know, those are the people who uh, will rob you blind. Most addicts and alcoholics only commit crimes when they are using and drinking. You know, so and that's that's something I know for a fact because I don't. I do not commit crimes sober. Never. Never have I committed a, a crime sober. Now, get me drunk and I'll drive. I'll try to drive home. Mm. Or get me high and I'll, you know, dealing drugs or selling drugs. That Those kind of things happen. But I wouldn't do that. There's no way I would do that today. So it was. it's easy for me to hand over my keys and to trust people. And I've even had people actively using, working for me. And I knew that what they needed to know is that I believed in them and I believed that they could change their lives. And so I didn't, I didn't change a lot of what happened. I'm, I'm, I've had some money stolen from me yeah. from someone actively using. I do set aside some breathing room for we might loan some money to someone who just got sober and they've lost everything. And so they kind of need you know, a place to stay and I can help them with a deposit or mm -hmm. I can help them get their car fixed that they ran into a tree or something. And I may never see that money again. Right. So it's yeah. the cost of business for how, how you want to employ people. Yes. For our, for what our mission is. And yeah. our mission statement is to help people, you know, I mean, and we're helping people with our juice and our healthy food options. We're helping people in that way. And then we're also helping people on the backside. So. Sure. Yeah. Well, on your business side, talk a little bit. So you started. Was it the juice bar first? Is that the first thing you started? Well, we started with farmer's markets and delivery. So we had a kitchen, what's called a commissary kitchen, where mm -hmm. everything is made. And then we would deliver to it. We had a base of people that, you know, believed us and supported us. And so they ordered juice from us and then they told their friends. So it was word of mouth a lot. And then farmer's markets were great advertising for us because those same people that were buying at the farmer's market wanted juice on Saturdays or, or Wednesdays or whenever. And so they would order from us as well. Um, and we went for a whole year operating like that. We started two summers ago. Literally, I started the business on my own um, because I didn't think that 
that the organization was going to fall, was going to go for this like juice bar thing. And I wanted to kind of prove to them like there was a market for it. And so I got a, um, I got my income tax return. I had exactly enough money to buy this juicer, this that I wanted. And I started juicing into pitchers with styrofoam cups and pouring juice into styrofoam cups at the farmer's market. And I would spend about $20 and I'd make a hundred. So I'd take that 80 and put it back into the next week. And I got a table and I got a tent and I got a banner and I, and I started doing this. And that's when I went and asked for the, the loan from the organization. And so then we, we did deliveries and that picked up. We did farmer's markets. We got into more and more. As you become legitimate, you can get into bigger, better farmer's markets. And so we did. We got bottles. That was a big deal. It was <laughs> huge instead of these styrofoam cups. And uh, we got, you know, labels and just really started rocking and rolling. And so October is when the food truck opened. So for a year and a half, a little over a year, a little under a year and a half, we were just farmers markets and deliveries. Wow. Yeah. So now how did you meet Chip and Joanna Gaines and how did that transition happen? Well, through Jesus Said Love, um, they had been investors in ours. and uh, Jesus Said Love is one of our investors and Chip and Joanna are supporters of Jesus Said Love. And so they, uh, the executive director and founder of Jesus said love just went to them and said, look, you, you got to hear this girl's story and you got to know who she is. And so they told Jesus said love told Chip and Joe about us and, and they invited us over. We were the first food truck they called, which was really cool. They had some other people that they really wanted out there, but we were the first phone call they made. And, I about fell over. You know, I did fall over. Let's just be honest. I was on the floor crying and yelling and, you know, it was just really cool. It was such a neat opportunity. Well, so how's that been? Tell us a little bit about setting up that truck and and the whole experience so far? Well, um, it's uh, you learn a lot of things that you didn't know about being in a food truck. It's a little bit different from being in a restaurant. And so I've learned a lot of neat new things that I never thought I'd need to know. We opened the opening weekend at the silos was the first day of torrential rains in central Texas. I mean, it flooded for a month. And so that first month we, we opened up, it was cold, it was rainy and people don't do juice and smoothies on cold, rainy days. And so we opened, uh, we literally got stuck here, like stuck on the truck. And so we had to, we spent a lot more time on the truck than we thought that first night than we thought we were going to. And, and that first month, we didn't, we hardly did any sales at all because we're a cold product, you know, juice right. and smoothies. And it was October and it got cold earlier than it normally does. There were days that I sat on the truck and just cried. I just thought, oh my gosh, I've got other people's money invested. This isn't, this isn't a loan. This is an investment. And these are my friends. And I mean, I just sit on the truck and I thought, oh my gosh, I've done the wrong thing. I, I tricked them. That's what I thought. Yeah. I tricked them into believing that I could do this and I can't. And um, and it was close to Christmas, so I didn't want to fire anybody. I didn't want to let anybody go. And I still had some of that investment money. So I was paying people purely off the investment money. It was awful. And then January hit and people are refocusing on their health in January. And we sold more cleanses in January than I thought possible. I mean, we were putting out thousands of dollars of cleanses every day and it was great. It was wonderful. We broke our sales record and then the skies cleared and it 
and February was beautiful, March, April, and we have done, there was one month that we literally did 100% increase in sales. We doubled our sales in one month. And I thought, whoa, we were not prepared. We were not prepared at all. So, but it's great. And we're on track to increase by about 25% this month. And I mean, it's just been really neat. And it was cool to call my investors back and say, I have recouped your money. All right. <laughs> Not all of it, but you know, yeah. it's time for payouts. Payouts are coming this quarter, you know, which was really cool. And, um, and it's neat to see my employees get really excited about the same thing because everybody loves a good, um, redemption story. And mm-hmm. that's what this is. We, I really like to tell this story about the truck. We found the truck on Craigslist and it was an ice cream truck. <laughs> and so it went from this unhealthy, thing that's killing Americans, you know, like sugar and dairy. And it changed from that to this truck that's selling healthy products that are going to help people get better. And it's the same thing. It falls right in line with my story, too. I I fell in love with that little ice cream truck because I thought, oh, we're going to make you we're going to make you awesome. We're going to give you a good redemption makeover and, (laughs) you know, and so it it just fell in line with our, what we do. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the questions we always ask people when they come on our show is, have you ever worked for or with an incredibly strong leader? Someone who, you know, you just, you look up to them and you say, if I could be perceived as this kind of leader, this is who I'd want to be perceived as. Yeah, absolutely. I think about that all the time because I think, who do I want to be like that I've worked for and who do I not want to be like that yeah, I worked yeah. for? I do this constantly and I'm. Uh, we have a manager meeting every Wednesday morning and every Wednesday morning I will use an example of this was a boss I worked for that I hated the way they ran things. And this is a boss that I worked for. And I love the way and we want to try to be like this. And so here's how we're going to be bosses. We're going to be bosses like these guys. And um, yeah, I used to work for Jason's Deli, little plug for them cleanest restaurant I've ever worked for. Uh, really, really great manager training program. And we had a boss there. We there was a one of our district managers was just incredible. He just really got to know who people were. He always remembered my kids' names. It's like he had index cards on us, I'm sure, out Mm. in his car, you know, but (laughs) he always remembered kids' names. And um, I was doing this weight loss challenge that really was none of his business, but he asked about it every time he called, you know, and just, um, I worked for them whenever they changed their menu to the trans fat from the trans fat they have zero trans fats in their foods. And I worked for them at the time. And I was already on this health kick. I really thought, you know, healthy food was cool. And um, so I knew all about that. And I remember him calling me one day and thanking me for being ahead of the game. And I thought that was really special. And he was super organized and hardworking. Like he was like a centurion soldier. You know what that is? First into battle, last on the battlefield. I mean, mm-hmm. they're still alive, you know? So, um, Anyway, he, uh, I admired that about him. I thought that was so cool that he worked really hard and he had a pretty cool job. He was district manager. So he went around and got to like lift you up. But he also came, you know, you were a little afraid when he came. You were a little like, ooh, what's he going to find out? You know, like I was always real worried he was going to come drug test me. Um, <laughs> he never did. And one day he walked straight up to me and said, I'm not going to drug test you. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, because I really thought he was coming to do that one day. And anyway, because um, I was a mess. I was a total mess. I was an alcoholic and, and a drug addict. But um, anyway, so uh, 
always thought that was really great of him. And I, I, and I love that he led by example. So if you were doing something wrong, um, he would step into your position and do it the right way and then coach you through it. And I thought, man, that's awesome. And I really try to hold on to that today. I wash dishes. I cut apples. I, I know how to use our new equipment before anybody else does. I train our staff on how to use new equipment. I don't get it in and go, hey, y'all let me know how this works when you're done, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I do everything but paperwork. Oh, I'm really bad at paperwork. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, and, and, and I encourage people and I try to remember what they do. We have, I love hiring other entrepreneurs it is it's harder though than hiring addicts because addicts just want to come in and do work entrepreneurs want to come in but then are also thinking about their business and what they do but i love that i love the spirit that an entrepreneur has and so there uh for for a while there we had about four employees when we were first ramping up and all of them had other jobs their jobs like their businesses but all of them did and i thought how are they going to focus on Luna Juice? But it was just the same thing that you were talking about earlier is I couldn't focus on how are they going to meet my ends. I had to focus on who they were as people. And they loved it. I've got art at my house from an artist who works for me. And, you know, I've in quite I've jewelry. I had a jewelry maker for a long time. And I've I literally could be completely adorned head to toe in her jewelry because I encouraged that, you know, yeah. and bought jewelry from her. So what's the future? What what are your goals? What What is it that you want to try and do with with this business? We're going to take over the world. Um, <laughs> world domination. Yeah, world domination, one juice at a time. No, actually, um, that's not my goal at all. Uh, I want to build this business. I never want to be in a position where I walk into one of my stores and I have no idea who is behind the cash register. We want to stay small. We want to stay local. Um, I have some, I have several cities in mind that um, I, Tyler, I'd really like to be in Tyler. I'd love to be in Victoria, which is where I went to treatment. So we can hire girls straight out of treatment from there. And um, so there's a few cities, maybe five, you know, that I'd like to take food trucks to. Um, I'd really like to be on Hewitt Drive. Have y'all ever driven? That, that mm. place is packed. Yeah. So we're, we're looking at another trailer right now, actually, to try to be out there. So um, we want to stay small, though. I want to I wanna be able to engage with my employees. And I have never been one of those people who is, I'm not super interested in money. I've, I will run, tear my life apart if I have too much money in my hands. And so I just try to keep things real simple. I live a very simple life. Um, I have a very small paycheck, you know, and, and I don't know that I want much more than that. I pay for my yoga, I pay for my CrossFit, and I live super simple. So Mm. Um, except for those two things, because neither one of those is easy. (laughs) But um, (laughs) other than that, that's I mean, that's really it, you know, um, no franchises, no. Nothing like that. No, huh? no, yep. just uh, local and easy. And I want to be able, I, I don't feel like you can be an organization that hires felons and addicts and people coming out of the sex industry without being very intentional. And once you start expanding too big, the intentionality of relationships kind of get lost. And so um, no offense. I mean, my, my husband's a capitalist and I'm a socialist and uh, it works perfectly in this business because he, (laughs) he'll, he'll, I'll come home from work and he'll go, 
how was your day? And I'll say, oh, well, I got to see Emily and I helped this lady come out, you know, get a new job out of the sex industry. And I did this, I saw this person. And he's like, that's not what I'm asking. What were your sales today? You know, and I'm like, oh, oh, well, you know, I have to look it up on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> well, are you, uh, are you currently reading any books, listening to any podcast? Do you do you study it all that way, or is sure? Most, okay. That's actually podcasts are one of our favorite ways to study in the kitchen because I can turn it on and we can all hear about podcasts. You know, we can all hear what's going on. So yeah. um, I'm actually reading a book. Oh man, I wish I could tell you. Uh, Rising Strong is the name of the book, and it, she does a whole lot of brain stuff. She's been TED Talks. We love TED Talks, so we yeah. listen to a whole lot of TED Talks. Mm-hmm. Um, on nutrition, on food, on business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are ways that we learn. There, uh, diets are always changing. So we try not to listen to diet fad uh, kind of books uh, or podcasts, but we do um, listen to things to know what the trends are. Mm-hmm. And sure. uh, we might not ascribe to it. I like to um, listen to speakers that speak on the dangers of beauty, uh, our, our American standard of beauty. And so we listen to a lot of things on that because mm. we got a lot of girls coming through that have been told all their life they need to be beautiful in order to make money. And it's just not the truth. So um, it's not the truth. Randy and I make money. We're, we're not good looking at all. So. Oh, you guys are so pretty. Y'all are so pretty. Look uh, at you. Did you ever think when you were, you know, you were at your lowest that you'd be a business owner now and you'd be a leader in the community? Oh, yeah. No, there's no way. I mean, I when I was at my lowest, I I was hoping to die. I would wake up mad. I would wake up and think, oh, my God, like I did everything I could yesterday to not survive the night. Like, why am I still catching breath? So I didn't see a future at all. I didn't I didn't see it a few weeks out, you know, and um, and then when I first got sober, that first couple of months was just such a struggle because I couldn't, you know, drugs mess you up, man. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't act straight. I, you know, my husband had filed for divorce. My son wouldn't answer my phone calls. My mom had been planning my funeral. So she was done. I mean, she was just, life was a wreck. And so um, that first couple of months was just a real struggle. And the great thing is, is that you know, over time, my husband literally had filed for divorce, but couldn't hunt me down to serve me. And mm. somehow that expires, like you only have a certain amount of time to serve somebody. Yeah. And it expired. And then he didn't want to be the thing that broke me in rehab. So he's like, oh, I'm not going to file again, because I don't want her to leave rehab to, you know, mm. and then he fell in love with me again, you know, like he well, he never fell out of love with me. But then he saw this change. And he is my number one cheerleader has helped me build this business. And my son worked for me for a while. And I mean, just everything's looking up and and, and I can never imagine what the next step is going to be. I could never imagine that somebody would call me and be like, Hey, come be on our podcast. You know, like yeah. how cool is that? You know, and that people read my blog. I write a blog about my, not about juicing, but about my life. And, um, people are interested in that and that people think it's so cool that I hire strippers. You know, I say it just like your reaction. When I first said that you kind of giggled and you were like, Oh, ha, ha, strippers. And then you're like, Oh, Oh, she really does hire strippers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which people think it's funny because they're like, oh, that's how you sell juice. Well, yeah. yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because those are assets. Those women have assets. They have really good people skills. They have learned how to manipulate people into buying something that is not a real commodity, you know? Yeah, they sell so, it and they still own it. Afterwards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, they can sell some juice, I'll tell you what. Yeah. So. If anybody does want to track you down, is the best place to come to the silos? Website. Okay, what's LunaJuicebar.com. LunaJuicebar.com. L-U-N-A. Luna like the moon. My son's middle name is Moon. He's Hagen Moonshine. So that's his name. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> He's very intoxicating. Uh, yeah, just like an alcoholic to name her kid Moonshine. You know what I'm saying? Awesome. Are you on Twitter or Facebook or any of that? Uh, Facebook and Instagram are... Our, we are on Twitter, but it's just toggled over from Yeah, so Instagram. Facebook and Instagram. And Instagram. Instagram. Those okay. are our best ways. And then lunajuicebar.com. So. Well, thank you so much for yeah, coming on today's podcast. We love it. And uh, best of luck to you. I'll come by thank and you. have one of your juices. Please do. I'll come over there and check it out. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Cool. Thanks. The High Performance Leadership Podcast is also sponsored by Principles of High Performance Leadership, the book by Chip Wilson. The first 100 people to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast get the book for free. That's right, free book. Go to 360solutions.com for more information. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Make sure and subscribe via iTunes, give us a rating, and leave us a review. Tell everyone you know to do the same thing. The more subscriptions, ratings, and reviews we get, the higher iTunes rates us. Visit our website at hpleadershippodcast.com, tweet at us at twitter.com slash 360 underscore solutions, and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 360 solutions LLC. That's all together, no spaces. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.